Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Let's Talk Ringette. I'm your host, Robin Gillespie. Today, we are pleased to bring you some insight and advice from a basketball coach. Our coach development coordinator, Bronwyn, you remember her from our last episode, had the opportunity to sit down with Scott Edwards, who coaches the University of Alberta Pandas basketball team. He had a lot of good coaching advice, specifically advice about coaching female athletes, and we wanted to share that with you. So, let's talk ringette. As part of her ongoing effort to gather resources for ringette coaches, Bronwyn Harvey arranged a meeting with Scott Edwards. Scott has been coaching with the University of Alberta women's basketball team for 13 seasons. Prior to that, he coached at Concordia University, coached both boys and girls at Britannia Junior High School in Edmonton, coached numerous juvenile provincial teams, and coached at the Canada Games where his team won silver in 2005. Bronwyn invited me along to record the interview. Scott had some great insight into the differences he sees between coaching male and female athletes. He also had some specific advice for male coaches who are coaching female athletes, and we're pleased to share that with you here. The following was recorded last week in Scott Edwards' office at the Savile Centre. The conversation has been lightly edited for length. Can you tell us a bit about your sport background? I mean, I know that uh, obviously you're the basketball coach for the Pandas. Yeah. Um, have you, were you involved in playing other sports growing up? Yeah, uh, as an as a young guy, yeah. multi-sport player. I think that was more common then. Everybody played everything, right? And yeah. a pretty typical Canadian boy of hockey in the winter, baseball in the summer. <laughs> uh, I picked up basketball later, junior high era, when I when I didn't grow and couldn't play hockey anymore. I had a stretch when hitting came in, and I was like five foot two and just couldn't. I couldn't keep up anymore. I was a decent player, but I couldn't keep up anymore, and yeah. so I had to transition to something else and try another sport that I could maybe go with sounds weird that went to basketball but um, I, I had like, a spurt in yeah. basketball I had a, a growth spurt right before high school and then I felt well, I feel better. like like junior high and high school that's kind of when kids start playing basketball really because that yeah. I don't know that much about community teams I know they mm-hmm. exist but mm-hmm. it certainly seems like those are volleyball basketball are mostly yeah and I would say I mean there's some of my athletes would say that they started younger than that probably if their dads played it and yeah and played community league stuff, but most of them junior high and get serious about it, and then yeah. it becomes their life. My background, yeah, uh, you know, basketball, hockey, yeah. baseball were the big three cool. for me. Um, have you, in terms of coaching, have you coached any other sports? Never. Never just basketball. I would love to coach baseball. Yeah. I love baseball. It's probably my number one favorite sport. Yeah. Um, but I've never really gotten into any other sports. Just I coached youth basketball up through now university. So. Yeah. You also kind of mentioned it, but different skill levels. So obviously you coach some communities in junior high, and now you're coaching yeah, and almost I've, at the top level. That's right. I've coached from like junior high boys who barely knew what they were doing, community league where we have kids who are just uh, either some just moved to the country and they didn't know it, and their parents put them into a sport, which was great to work with them, and right fresh in the game yeah. up to I've coached women that are playing in the World Cup right now. At, on national teams. That must be fun to watch. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. <laughs> it's been fun to watch not just our Canadian athletes, but athletes from around the world that I've competed against at world championships and coaches from other countries at world championships and kind of seeing a lot of familiar faces this oh, That's week. really cool. Yeah. It sounds like it's a kind of a small community. In, in some ways, I know it's a much more yeah. popular and well-known sport, but I think to it's have still that community, I mean, it's not that dissimilar from Ringette with a smaller small community I don't think so yeah, yeah I think it's a really small community around the world and certainly in our city and then in the, in the country that's not in every sport I think does that in a country this small 
population-wise. I think it's yeah, pretty common. It's true population-wise, right? <laughs> Obviously, you've been coaching women in, in mm-hmm. the university and, and college areas, and so you coached uh, boys for mm-hmm. a few years, obviously. I did, yeah. Um, so that's sort of one of the things I'm looking at, hopefully having you shed some light or, sure. or some advice. Um, we have a lot of men who are coaching these female teams. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the big differences in terms of how you approach coaching? Yeah, I, I thought of four things before we got here. I did my research too. <laughs> Excellent. thought of four topics, I thought. And the, yeah. the first one I'll talk about would be coachability. I have found my time that coaching female athletes are far more coachable, more willing to try, more willing to take feedback that on things where they have never done it before and be experimental in their game and add things to their game. I've found them much more receptive to that type of coaching and much more eager to uh, go to work with you as a partner in that, as a coach and athlete partnership. I've found, um, it's probably why I transitioned and stayed on the women's side of my sport. And one of the things that I have always told younger in our sport basketball coaches to younger men who want to get into coaching that if you want to get into coaching basketball and you want to coach women stay in the women's game and be a women's basketball coach because they're quite different games the men's game and the women's game are significantly different so build your skills and learn how to coach in this environment stay there that coachability piece was the one that really struck out to me first and I wrote down I went my experience has been has been made it a lot of fun yeah uh, second one was the opposite almost is around confidence and so understanding the difference between how the female athlete is going to treat her experience in sport versus a male in my experience so far um, like when I coach boys they all believe they could do anything <laughs> they there was no task too hard they were they could definitely get it done and the you have to constantly be reminding your female athletes that they they are good at what they're doing and that they are getting better at what they are trying to work at and just constantly remind them of the ways that they are improving daily and what they're how good they are what they do i was struck even by a conversation i had with my team the other day when i think they've been doing a fantastic job in shooting workouts for weeks and then i asked them how many of them are confident in their shooting ability right now and maybe two of them two out of 15 put their hands up yeah and I was shocked because I'm looking at the stats that we keep and it doesn't match to what their output is well there's an example I'm like, okay well to our coaching staff we had a meeting about it afterwards what are we going to do to remind our athletes of the great work they're putting in now we have no games yet for proof I don't know if it's going to translate yet but for right. now in training they look pretty good yeah. and they should be more confident just in themselves but it's something we got to constantly be be looking at and reminding our athletes about and that did not seem the same to me when I coached boys it was almost the opposite where I had to knock them down a peg. <laughs> knock them down a peg and remind them that you're not that good you're not gotta keep working yeah you're not LeBron James yet. yeah <laughs> and they all think they are yeah and that's Obviously. really interesting too like in training the NBA season will start in a couple weeks and you will watch our men's team come in if they watched a game the night before and saw something in the game they will come in and try it. They'll practice that move on the court. I've watched them, yeah. even at the university level. Did you guys see, you know, Kevin Durant last night? Did you see the movie made? And they'll work on the footwork and they'll practice it. And if I ask my my team if they watched, they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and they would never think that what they observed is something they could perform. 
Now, their only context so far is the NBA, not the WNBA, because the right. WNBA games aren't easily accessed. Right. And it's at a different time of season. So trying to get them exposed to the best in the world, like later today, a bunch of us will watch the Canada-Spain game of the World Cup. And it's important for them to watch these women play and know that you're doing the same things. You might not be as talented, might not be as tall, might not be as fast, but you're doing similar things. And the, the skill set can transfer to you. And just giving them... That's Most another really interesting yeah. similarity with with Ring and mm-hmm. not being accessible, and yeah. they're Where trying do to do more it? with webcast uh, tournaments. And right. I mean, Canada Winter Games are coming up. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's that's really interesting compa- yeah. similarity. And it, it's a it's a big problem. Yeah, in our totally. game too that they just don't see enough um, examples that they can emulate. Yeah, and we we don't have a domestic pro league. Like everyone at the World Cup, every one of those countries has their own pro league that those women play in wow. and can stay home and play. Wow. Where our women have to go to Europe, they go to Australia, they go to Asia to play. Yeah. And that's a real problem because you know, how long do you want to stay away from your family? And so how long will they continue to play on? Um, the third one I thought of was around criticism and how they all accept or deflect or internalize criti- criticism. Mm-hmm. And so my experience with boys, if you walked into a team room and said, you know, we've really, we're not working hard enough, we are... We need to play harder, et cetera, et cetera, things that typically coaches would say. If I walked into the boys' locker room, if they were sitting there, I'm looking at the two of you now, you would think it's her, and she would think it's you that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. In my team room, if I say that to my team, a global statement like that, you will internalize that and say, he means me. Yeah. And you'll internalize that and say, it means he's talking about me. I know he's talking about me. And so being careful about the language you use and making sure, and I'm not perfect, I know I've done that. I did this three days ago <laughs> and realized it afterwards. Like, That's not the intent of what I meant. And I gotta constantly remind myself that this, the way they will take that sometimes, from male coach to, you know, that was an issue for me. And so we had to address that later in the look. So do you think that you, you pay more attention to how, to how you communicate with them as well? I try to. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that the, that, it's it's very important, obviously, to, to keep that in mind when you are communicating with a female Absolutely. team. Absolutely, yeah. and, and I think it's really important that you understand <clears> that, <throat> like the, the fourth one I put down was chemistry, because like on a, a team sport, women love community, and they want their friends to be happier, and yeah. they will want everyone to be in a good place personally. So what does that look like in sport? It'll mean on, in a basketball setting, I have had athletes say to me, you know, they, they may have like scored 12 points in the first quarter of a game. It's a lot of points. They're doing really well. Everyone's excited for them. And then not shoot again in the second quarter because they'll say, well, it's somebody else's turn. Even up to university sport. That has happened. And, okay, now i got to think, well, why she thinks that? And what can we do to... They don't want to outshine each other. They don't want to shine each other. They want to make sure if you are sad that day, your teammates are going to make sure that they find ways to make you happy. On a boys team, that was not going to be the way it's going to be, right? And so understanding that they want the community to do well as a collective because of that. And so what? how do you, how do you adjust your coaching and the comments you make and the way you approach it to make sure everybody understands? So, like, I needed that as an example for me. I needed that athlete to continue to score that night for our team to win Yeah, as we're at trying to compete level and we're now we're we're trying to win basketball games yeah um and to get her to understand that the team was okay with her taking more shots took me two years 
of her five years to make her realize that it was okay that she could be great that we would be thankful and that she wasn't putting anybody else down by allowing her skill set and to figure out that what she was doing by not shooting the basketball for us was actually hurting the team and then that becomes a criticism that then they internalize right and, and this is the whole thing right yeah. so that's why it took so long for yeah. her to really get over all of that and get to a point to know that she was in a trusting room where the, the other women on the team cared about her as a person mostly that they wanted her to succeed and that they understood that it was important for our team and that they were all on the same page and then that her and I, our relationship got strong enough that she trusted that what I was trying to do was in the best interest of the group because she was willing to not take the best interest of her but put her her team forward and so <clears throat> it was a really fascinating experience for me to work with her because I love her to death mm-hmm. and she's a tremendous player and she was one of the best teammates we've ever had here clearly just great <laughs> teammate but it was really awesome to watch her evolve as a person and get to the point where she was okay that it was time to be a star. Yeah. You know, it was time to go out there and do what you need to do every night, and it was going to be good for the group. And that's that's something that um, is interesting, too, about Ringette, because, I mean, the way it's set up to be this team sport where you have to pass over the blue line. Right. There's no such thing as an end-to-end rush. And so needing your teammates, and then there's also times where once the girls get to a you know a certain level where some of their skills and understanding is is starting to to really allow them to play the game better, um, you have to tell them to actually pass less. Right. Right. Like sometimes the best thing is to take <coughs> the shot when you're there. In ringette, one of the things I coach is when you have sort of a two on one, you should shoot pretty much every time, because passing and having them miss a pass, you're not even getting a shot on net. Right. And it's a lot different, and that teammate is there to be a decoy, to be a distraction, but you should shoot. And they're like, oh, but I feel bad. It's like, trust me, if, if mm-hmm. you score, your teammate's going to give you a big yeah. high five. Yeah, for sure. Right? And the analytics of your sport are telling you that shooting is more valuable in that scenario than the pass. Yeah, exactly. And so that's trying to, again, get that through their heads, because then they all feel, oh, everybody's going to be mad. And it's like, no, they're going to know you made the right play. And sure. yeah, sometimes there are times where you should pass instead of shoot, but... It goes from encouraging them to, to pass to being like, okay, now shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know that what you said about, um, you know, somebody else's turn. Mm-hmm. Some of the little girls definitely do that. Absolutely. Um, they'll say like, oh, well, they'll give it to the other team even. And they say, oh, well, she didn't she, she didn't get to touch it yet. Mm-hmm. And I think these dads on the bench are like, what's happening? Right, and there's where the, the, uh, the gender barriers <laughs> come yeah. through in your sport. And, yeah, and I mean, how often do you see always do that yeah never yeah <laughs> never <laughs> never yeah never. um i'm skipping around in, my, okay. in my questions here but um um wh- why why do you coach like what's what's the appeal for you oh i love I know. <laughs> yeah that's such a long one um i love watching athletes evolve so I'm being a part of that experience for them and watching them grow from the person I got them at. Like I, I get them at a really vulnerable time in their yeah. lives, right? They're 18. Some of them are moving away from home for the first time. Maybe they're cooking their first meal. They're doing yeah. their first load of laundry, potentially. Like there's a lot of things about their lives, and this, especially the first month, that yeah. is really unique. And they're watching who they're going to end up be after five years of being in university and listening to the, the amazing professors they're getting and listening to the other people in their classes and then experiences they have outside of sport and how that shapes them as well as their teammates and how that shapes them and as well as what sport and what it'll do to shape them 
um, both physically, emotionally, mentally. It's it's really an amazing experience. And soon as I got into coaching, I knew I was done. You found a good fit. I found a good fit. I mean, it's a lot yeah. like teaching. It was, but a lot I, of the elements, right? A lot of the elements. What I realized after I taught for ten years, wow, and then. Then I applied and got this job, and then I stopped teaching and I, you know, just do this full time instead. And I realized immediately within a month or two, I was probably never going to back to being a, a school teacher. And that it was a great job, and I loved it. But the things I loved about coaching was probably all the highlight reels of teaching it's I got in coaching. Yeah. And so I could be with um, people who are like minded. I got to be with driven people. I didn't have to coax people into wanting to work at things. And so I got, they want to you know, be there. They, they don't want to learn math, so, but they want to play basketball. Yeah, and mm-hmm. as much as I love teaching for a variety of reasons, I think the the idea of being a coach and getting to impact people, and on small team, right? Basketball's a small group, 12 to 15 athletes. You really have an impact on their lives individually. I can't imagine what our football, football coach, coach. Goes, goes through with 100 guys or our track team. I know, that's crazy to me. Even like football. our rugby team. Yeah. Or our soccer team. I talk to those coaches a lot about how they impact their athletes' lives when there's 30-plus women on the team. But in basketball, I've got a small group. And so I can really help in a lot of ways that maybe some other coaching context can't. And that's what I love about it. And it's probably what I get the most enjoyment out of. And it's something you obviously take seriously and not just for yeah. granted that that's an impact that you have. You know that it is and you're careful Absolutely. about what you do and conscious about Trying it. Trying to be. Yeah. And, and everyone works and gets better at it. And totally. Yeah, and I'm a better coach now in that area than I was five yeah. years ago and I'm certainly more than ten years ago. Yeah. And it's not to say that the on-court portion doesn't excite me. I'm, I've watched almost all the yeah. World Cup games. I'm taking things in. I'm learning things that I can apply to our team. We've tried some stuff out already and you know, there's a lot of professional development goes into that, and I think about the sport all day long. That's my job, but um, it's that human part of it, the connectivity part that really interests me and excites me about coaching, and it was a really good fit for me personally, and hopefully they'll let me do it as long as I want. Totally. <laughs> What's some of the best coaching advice you've received? I think the best advice I got was to understand who you are first. So if you have a clear idea of who you are as a person, you have a clear idea of what your values are, you'll be able to articulate that to your athletes and they will see you as genuine. And once you have that established with them, there is honestly no limit, I think, to what a coach and athlete can do in their relationship. If you continue to work hard in your technical and tactical growth as a coach, that's great, but it'll only be, you'll you'll only go as far as you're willing to connect with your athlete and to build a relationship with him or her and if you know yourself first, it's so much easier to do that with your athlete. And so that would be my best piece of advice. Is really understand who you are, both individually and as a coach. That's really cool. In terms of uh, advice for male coaches who are coaching girls, so for example, mm-hmm. these dads. Yeah. Because that's sort of what I'm. What we're really hoping to sort of capture here. Like, what what do they need to do to be? Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about a lot of them before around just the way they create community on their team. Um, language they use be really important. Eye contact and level they speak at. So if you're a really big dude, <laughs> get down to eye contact with your 12-year-old daughter so that when you look her in the eye and you're not towering over her. Physical proximity is a really big deal, in my experience. 
making sure that you make them feel safe. And if they don't know you very well, if you're just this big guy that comes in once a week and coaches them, it's really scary. So how you have conversations with them. So a lot of time if you come to our practices, we don't speak directly in front of each other. We'll stand side by side. So we do that so that you can you don't you can choose to look at me or you can choose to look ahead while I talk with you. And then once in a while we'll come in. It's less intimidating. It's less intimidating. Yeah. Uh, it's not so much like a lot of my athletes are taller than me now, which is great. <laughs> um, so I don't have to think about at my level the the eye contact piece. But when I coached junior high, I did a lot of getting on my knees to talk in timeouts and things so that they see me in, in huddles in our sport. I constantly get down to their level and never stand while they sit and things like that. Those are simple things around proximity and I mean there's some basic human decency things you should probably really be aware of in terms of touch and you know, close yeah. meetings and things like that but I think the big thing is just making sure that your athletes are that you build relationship with them as individuals that you create community for them to feel safe and and make it fun. If you make it fun they will stay in your sport and they will enjoy their experience and it won't matter what the wins and losses are at the end of the day because no one really cares anyway. They just care how you made them feel. Yeah, no, yeah. thank you so much. No problem. Hopefully it was helpful. Oh, it was definitely helpful. Bye, everyone. Here are this week's highlights from Rant Around the Province. The Edmonton Wham started the NRL season off strong on September 29th with two wins, defeating Calgary Wrath 5-4 and Black Gold Rush 6-2. Calgary bounced back the next day to defeat Black Gold 10-2. NRL games will take place over the next two weekends. Calgary plays Edmonton at the Dow Centennial Centre in Fort Saskatchewan on Saturday the 13th at 11am, then again at 5pm at the Glen Allen Recreation Centre in Sherwood Park. Manitoba Intact and BC Thunder also get their seasons going with a series in BC. Calgary is back in the Capital Region the following weekend when they play Black Gold at the Downtown Community Centre on Sunday, October 21st, uh, first at 11.30am, then again at 5pm. Tickets for all games are $5 at the door, but kids get in free if they're wearing a ringette jersey. All schedule information can be found at nationalringetteleague.ca. Elsewhere in the province, the Lonnie Cron Classic will be taking place in Calgary from October 12th to 14th, and the Brass Ring Tournament will be taking place in Beaumont from October 19th to 21st. Both of these tournaments will feature a wide variety of age groups and divisions. Links to these tournament pages can be found at ringatalberta.com tournaments. Team Alberta has returned home from the meet in the middle tournament in Winnipeg after eight games against other provincial teams in preparation for the Canada Games, Can- Alberta came away with five wins and three losses. Let's Talk Ringette is produced by Ringette Alberta and created using Anchor FM. I'm your host and producer, Robin Gillespie. Sharon handles all our social media. Special thanks to Scott Edwards for his time and to Bronwyn for arranging the meeting. Any resources and references will be available in the show notes and on ringettealberta.com slash let's talk ringette. If you have any questions or comments regarding something you heard today, or you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, send me an email. Robin at ringettealberta.com is how you can reach me. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone. Let them know they can download it on Anchor FM, Stitcher, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, 
pretty much wherever you want to listen. Contact information, new episodes, policies, and news can all be found at ringatalberta.com. Until next time, see you around the rinks.